Obviously, I'm Eddie Cohn, host of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast, and really excited for this week's show. I'm actually really excited for the next uh, two episodes. I've already made, I've already done the two interviews, but I just interviewed this past week Aaron Bird um, from KCRW fame, or he's best known for being on KCRW as a DJ, and it's an incredible interview. He's from LA, Inglewood, and we talk about music, um, what's going on in our culture, social media. Um, boy, we talk about a lot of stuff. So that, that'll be next week. I'm really, really excited about that one. And I'm also super stoked this week for today's show to have Logan Cahoon, the owner of Meathead Barbecue, on the show. And I think these two interviews were so inspiring, so I'm just really excited about them. Um, Logan I met a couple years ago at Yoga Works. He was a, a trainer, not a trainer, a teacher there. And about eight, nine months ago, I noticed that he was leaving Yoga Works to pursue um, Meathead Barbecue, which is um, a pop-up barbecue stand, I guess you could say. Um, and, he, and he hosts them at a lot of the breweries in Los Angeles. And he, I saw him twice at Santa Monica Brew Works. And the food is absolutely incredible. Um, the cool thing is, is that he's actually going to be there Super Bowl Sunday from like 12 p.m. up until about 10, 11 o'clock at night. So I highly suggest checking it out. Santa Monica Brew Works, amazing beer. I'm not much of a beer drinker, um, but I do like a good um, ale, a good blonde type of beer, uh, Hefeweizen. Anyway, they, they've got some great stuff over there, and I really suggest it. And also to have amazing barbecued food and watch the game. It's a great spot. So um, definitely suggest it. I think Logan, it's just a really, it's a great story. I think these days it's really hard to, as you get older, especially make a change. And for him to drop yoga, I know he teaches just once a week now at Equinox, but to drop yoga altogether to pursue um, this barbecue shop that he's running now. And it, it's, a, it's a great story. And I love food. And, um, and then also to hear his story about how he came out here from Florida. It's a really great interview. So I'm really stoked for you guys um, to check it out. So definitely check out Logan over at Santa Monica Brew Works. If you can't make it for the Super Bowl, he's there, you know, every couple weeks. But I think the Super Bowl Sunday um, hang should be awesome. So and as always, if you really dig the show, please spread the word. I, I know I say that a lot, but Obviously, this um, there's so many podcasts and so many yoga teachers and just so much of everything these days. So um, the goal for the podcast is to create more conversation, more depth, more creativity in our lives because our free time nowadays is primarily spent staring at our phones. And there's just so much more to life than that, you know? So if you're digging what you're hearing, please, you know, write a review or spread the word or share the podcast with any of your friends. And um, uh, that's it. So for now, enjoy the interview that I had with Logan, over uh, the owner over at Meathead Barbecue LA.
excited to welcome the owner of Meathead Barbecue LA, Logan Cahoon, to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here, Eddie. Yeah, it's really, really awesome to have you here. Um, and I, I actually find you very interesting, and I'm really... I don't, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm really into food. Yeah, and I'm also sure. really into yoga, and so those are sure. two things that um, it's, I'm more into food than yoga, though. Like you, so, so this will be perfect. Great. Um, so, you're the owner of Meathead Barbecue, correct? There's a big trend of um, food trucks in this city. There is. The interesting thing, though, is is that. I want to describe Meathead Barbecue as a food truck. Definitely not a food truck. Yeah, so it's it goes above and beyond that, I think. Um, In its own way, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess a, f- a food truck can be a daily thing, mm-hmm. and, and Meathead uh, Barbecue isn't daily. For sure. No um, way I could keep that up. So there's a lot that I want to talk to you about, but let's. I'm going to try and focus here. I know you um, because of yoga works. Correct. You used to teach yoga there. I did. Um, it, it, the pretty, it, one of the biggest studios, quote unquote, most popular studios in LA over on main yeah. street. And then all of a sudden, and we'll obviously backtrack, but right now I want to talk about meathead. Yeah. Um, I think all of a sudden I just noticed on Instagram that you were posting food pics or you holding these big chunks of meat you even said something on instagram um i don't want people to follow my logan Cahoon account anymore i want people to start you know i'm transitioning over to meathead barbecue la yeah so uh, when did this shift happen where um you started to transition to meathead barbecue i guess it was sometime in the last year yeah i'd say it uh meathead was born in april of 2018 however the the transition began a little bit before that in, uh, let's say, probably October of 2017. Okay. Um, you know, I moved out here 10 years ago from uh, northern Florida, so pretty much the south. Not the Miami-type Florida, but, you know, I came from a barbecue culture. Okay. And when I moved to L.A., I was not at all impressed with the barbecue here. Right. And, you know, so I just bought, like, a tiny little, like, patio-sized smoker and just started playing around with some stuff to feed myself and my friends. And this is when you moved out here. Originally. This is when I moved out here. Okay. This is probably, uh, see, I moved into my apartment with the patio about seven years ago. So it's about seven years ago. I started to cook. Okay. And, um, so you always liked barbecue and you were always into food. Absolutely. Um, always, always enjoyed cooking throughout college, everything like that. So while you were teaching yoga, um, I mean, when did it start to switch in your brain where you're like, you know, um, and this is kind of a two-part question, but obviously you don't teach at Yoga Works anymore. But mm-hmm. you know, what, mentally, what was going on? Where you you just had enough of Yoga Works and you wanted to transition and make Meathead Barbecue a full-time thing? For like, sure. Um, you know, I guess backtracking a little bit further. Yeah. You know, when I when I moved out to LA, I, I needed a big change in my life. I was working in like the real estate financing world, and uh, you know, stumbled into a yoga class. And, uh, at Equinox on a Sunday, you know, honest, uh, story to it as I saw a bunch of cute girls walking to a beginner's yoga class and said, this might be a really good place to meet some people because right. I moved out here not knowing anybody. And, okay, you know, everybody in the class was, was incredibly welcoming and nice. Uh, turns out, you know, there are probably 15 students in this class and they're all doing a, a teacher training. 
Okay. Uh, and it was a yoga foundations class. They would all teach five minutes round robin style. Was the teacher training affiliated with Equinox? It was. It was wow. a okay. yoga works teacher named James Brown. Great dude. Phenomenal teacher. How funny. Somebody mentioned him on my podcast before and I made the joke like James Brown the singer and she said no James Brown the yoga teacher yeah, so yeah. He, I've never heard of the guy but until yeah her. he hadn't been in LA for uh, I guess he's been in the yoga scene for quite a while now but okay. he, he probably bailed out of LA six years ago or so right um but yeah he was uh, he was leading this teacher training I thought yoga was going to be easy. I was an athlete. You know, I could bench press 350. I thought it was just kind of stretching. I was Florida. I didn't know right. different. Yeah. It was the hardest fucking thing I'd ever done. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, was, I couldn't straighten arms. I couldn't touch my toes. I was profusely spewing sweat everywhere. Right. And, you know, for people who don't know me physically, I'm not built like a yoga teacher. No. At all. I'm built more like a bouncer. <laughs> yeah. Biker, sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Defensive lineman, six four, two seventy five, right. shaved head and a beard. Yeah. Um, did you play football? I did. I played a lot of sports okay. growing up. There's, uh, I, I mean, I, there's, it's funny. I asked you about the transition to meathead barbecue, but I can see we, cause I wanted to just dive right into food because I, because I just went to your yeah. uh, showing over at Santa Monica brewery, but I understand it's a complicated there's, there's question. There's more of a backstory to it yeah. than just how did I get into it? I normally, One thing needs to lead yeah, to Yeah, I normally go to the backstory a little while. I'll wait a little bit, but I can see that we're going to have to go to it right now. If, so, if you're okay with totally, that. Totally. I yeah. get it. I just, like, I'm, I it, just, it all correlates. Yeah. It, I was so blown away by the food. Thank but, you. But we'll eventually get there. We'll get I there. Promise. I promise in yeah. about two minutes. <laughs> about two hours we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there in two minutes i can i can do this quickly yeah so um so anyway uh you know it was the hardest fucking thing i'd ever done physically but they were all so cool about it so i just kept going back to this class you know and i was working some bullshit sales job here that i hated and doing a lot of karate guy mma stuff okay and lifting real heavy and you know it was uh after a couple months i noticed my back kind of started to pop and you know, release in these tight places, like in my thoracic spine that always hurt. Right. I was actually starting to, you know, be able to sit still and chill. I was like, oh, there's might be something to this whole yoga thing. And besides so, the good looking women, besides the good looking women, yeah, there's, yeah. there's actually, there's uh, actually something to it. There really is something to this, you know, physically, mentally, this yeah. is actually really, really healthy. Yeah. What the fuck? Jeez. Get to look a good looking woman and it's good for my body. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it like you get no to brainer. meet cool people. Yeah. So, you know, I said, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to sign up for James's next teacher training. Okay. Having no idea what I was signing up for. I thought right. we'd just like show up, teach a little yoga on a Sunday, talk about it and leave. Right. I didn't know I was signing up for a full 200, but I wrote a check without really knowing it and right. just jumped in. Okay. And, you know, it uh, really changed my body. Yeah. Changed the way I interacted with people, you know, coming from. How were you before that? Were you sort of a recluse, uh, introvert kind of a person? No, not at all. I, um, you know, I was just, you know, more of a redneck from the South. And, and I hadn't had a whole lot of diversity introduced into my life from, you know, where I was from. Right. So I started to get to interact with, you know, a completely different culture, which is one of the reasons why I moved out to L.A., was to see what else, you know, was out there in the world. Yeah. Other than, you know, the waspy area I was from. <laughs> sure. And, uh, yeah. you know. Um, Pretty one-dimensional down there. Completely. Yeah. So, you know, after a couple months of it, I said, oh, yeah, I'm really going to give this yoga thing a shot. And, 
Well, know? that must have been a big deal that you're, you know, you're, you grew up as a jock, you grew up in the South, and yoga probably had these sort of um, stereotypical connotations around it. Oh, completely. And, and, and here you are actually inspired pretty quickly to do a teacher training for sure. and become a yoga teacher and end up working at one of the most popular studios in L.A. Well, you know, I set my goal. I said, if, uh, you know, I can become a teacher at Yoga Works on Main Street, which, you know, at the time, you know, Vinny was and still is on the schedule there. Baron Baptiste, you know, a lot of the big, all the big names have come through Main Street. Right. And it's where their corporate office was at the time. So if I can do that as a, you know. Why of all things did you want to suddenly become a yoga teacher and set your sights on that studio? Because it was complete polar opposite from what I had done before. Yeah. It was just a completely different trajectory. And it just felt right. Wow. You know, it's what I wanted to do. And I knew, you know, Main Street was, was, is the elite studio. Yeah. And it was a hell of an ambitious goal. And I knew if I could do that, I could do anything I wanted to do, honestly. And what's amazing is that, you know, I crack a lot of jokes about yoga and, and, um, there is this image based on a lot of yoga companies and through Instagram that, mm-hmm. you know, super slender, skinny bodies. For sure. To super tan skin, the six pack abs. Mm-hmm. And it just, and you obviously don't emulate or embody that. Not one bit. And so. Proudly. Yeah. It's I, just me. I, I keep think, it real. Well, that's, it's actually refreshing yeah. because it's too bad because I think what Instagram and what our culture has done to even yoga is it's just made it all about looking hot. Absolutely. I mean, listen, Instagram is a great marketing tool and you know, what sells best, honestly, sex, sex. Yeah. Sex sells best. So, I mean, obviously I think this, the irony is that yoga was supposed, and I had a pretty personal experience with yoga where it really helped me out a lot. And it Mm -hmm. seems like, it did for you as well. For sure. Um, and I just think those stories, though, aren't being told anymore. The stories that are being told are the ones that our eyes respond to and our groins, our loins respond to. And, and, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's sad. It is. It is. I'm start, you start to see, the more the more you are on Instagram, the more and more of that you see, and the more desensitized you come to become to it actually even. So, you know, people keep pushing the envelope. There's less and less clothes on. Yeah. You know, more and more fucked up poses. It's uh, so funny. One of these yoga teachers that I follow, she was sort of, you know, a couple of months ago posing a question to her her Insta family, which blar, mm-hmm. you know, barf, I can't stand when I hear people <laughs> responding to their followers is family. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was questioning, you know, I've noticed that when I wear more clothes or if I take a photo of me, you know, having avocado toast or something, it doesn't get as many likes as the photo where I'm in a bikini. So I'm wondering what I need. It's just, it's, it's, it's so silly. Yeah. It's why you eat avocado toast in a bikini. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Go back to your avocado toast. Yeah. But just, only wear a bikini, please. That's it. Yeah. And you'll get, you know, 40% more likes. Yes. Um, we could go down so many. Um, yeah. Let's, brand, we're we're which, digressing here a little. No, but it's okay because um, it connects to yoga and it's just refreshing. And it's amazing that, that you had a pretty good gig going on over there. I did. I did. And, you know, I will say about the Instagram thing, to each their own. Like, I, I don't judge people for what they want to put up on their 
Instagram if they want to be in a bikini or naked or wearing, you know, I think a full-on tuxedo doing yoga. I don't yeah. give a shit. If that's you, do it. If well, that, that speaks to somebody, yeah. great. Do it. I think the problem, though, is is with yoga and yoga teachers, this whole thing of I don't judge or just do what you want. Because ultimately, everybody is doing what they want. Mm-hmm. But it's ultimately having a negative impact on our culture. And, and I mean, I think... Um, everybody is all about their brand and me and doing what I want and getting as many people are valuing likes and followers more than, and they know that if they post those types of photos that bring up the sexuality, that it's going to satisfy those dopamine hits, the follower count, the ego. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I agree with you in the sense that, um, do what you want as long as you're not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. But I just think the, 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 um, the irony is, is that it actually is hurting people quietly. How so? Um, there's more depression. Women are feeling really more women than men, especially teenage girls, women in their twenties are feeling really shitty about themselves and their bodies. Yeah. And uh, when you see nothing but pretty photos, people who seem to have perfect lives spewing spewing how people should live their life and they're only in their 20s or early 30s. I get that yoga teachers are supposed to supposedly be enlightened and and follow Buddhist teachings and and know the way of the world. Um, But we're all flawed. And and because of the perfection over and over again on these platforms... um, our brains are absorbing it as though it's real life. And I think we're foolish to think that if a huge culture, a predominantly predominantly groups of people are only posting perfectionism and knowing everything and only photos when they're on vacation, mm-hmm. I, I think, now I can't prove it, but what I've read, because of more addiction than ever, more depression, I we go to these platforms for a break, but we ultimately end up having psychological um, repercussions when we go to these platforms. So you're saying we go to these platforms as an escape from our own reality, Yeah. but it creates a sense of what another reality actually should be. So you yeah. come back to your own reality yes. feeling like shit. Exactly. Yeah. I, I understand that. Totally. I, I mean, and like what's sad though, dude, it's like, you know, followers and likes turn into a paycheck. And it totally. is hard to make money teaching yoga. Totally. It really is. You know, you don't get paid shit to teach public classes. You make your no. money off privates. If you can get sponsorships from Aloe or somebody like that, you can do well. But how do you do that? It's by being an influencer. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's a machine. And it's a machine that's being fed by likes and by dollars. Yeah, and yoga yeah. teachers are a business. They're a brand. Totally. It's, that's what it's turned into. Instagram is a virtual billboard for your own brand. Yeah, and I think because... I promise the last point, and then we'll get back. Yeah, let's talk about food. I we'll think, talk about brisket. I, I think the, the, because these platforms are run by Facebook and it's all about money and it's a machine, it's become adver- it's revolved around advertising now. And mm-hmm. it's not just a normal stream of photos. Those photos are now based on algorithms, the things that you already like. It, it, it perpetuates and then goes down all the way to people wanting more likes, followers, because it's totally. a business. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yoga is a business, folks. Yeah. Like, it is, it, 
it is there to help. It's there to help you feel better, and it will. But ultimately, it's Yogaworks is owned by a private equity fund. It's a publicly traded company. Their stock is shit. And yeah, it keeps spent, going down. Yeah, it keeps going down. I wish I would have shorted it at their IPO. Yeah. Um, so focusing here, yeah. you you were you ended up getting the gig so, at Yoga Works. Yeah, I, I took a job behind the desk for a few years, sweeping up sweat, answering phones. I think that's when I initially met you. Was yeah, when I was a greeter there. Uh huh. Worked my way up, became a teacher. Um, <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah, started in the valley and then moved my way in. Ultimately, after a few years, got on the schedule at Main Street. And you've been yeah. teaching them for a couple of years, I think, maybe longer than that. Yeah, it was probably, I, you know, I taught on Main Street for probably two years. You know, I, I paid my dues subbing for many years before that. And, right. You know, I'd drive out to Tarzana, you know, which is, you know, an hour drive away for me in traffic to teach when I was brand new. And it's just what right. you did. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and you're right. Yoga teachers primarily make shit money. So um, unless you're getting 70, 80, 90 people in a class or yeah, you can make some actual money Yeah, or you're teaching 20, 20 times a week for sure. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's other than that, it's really challenging to make a lot of money. It is. It is. And as you know, I, and that was one of the reasons why I transitioned to barbecue. Okay. So, um, were you getting, were you just not, was it a, just a financial thing or also emotionally you just weren't digging yoga works anymore? You know, um, was it a combination of things? Did you, it was a combination of things. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I knew I had peaked at yoga works. You know, there's a certain level you can hit there Yeah, where, you know, you either blow through this plateau and become, you know, one of their featured teachers or you just kind of like hang in the middle yeah. where a lot of teachers hang or, you know, you're at the bottom of the rung and you're a sub and right. you're at, you know, the secondary studios. And, you know, I had hit my plateau, like at the top of the middle. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't going to break through and I knew I was capable of a lot more than what I was doing, you know? Um, so you, you were really sort of not totally satisfied with just the, the yoga life and not at all, dude. Yeah. It, it was, it was a good transitional thing for me. Okay. But. You know, I, you know, I have friends who have made careers out of teaching yoga and have done phenomenally well and absolutely respect what they do. Yeah. Um, and, but I knew it's not what I wanted for myself. You know, I'm 35 right now and I didn't want to be a 50 year old dude teaching yoga full time and trying to support a family. Yeah. It's not what I wanted. So when did the Meathead Barbecue idea become, uh, you know, passion and interest into we're going to go full on? Do you still live in, in by that place by the studio? Yeah, I live. So because really close to, to Main Street. I mean, it's a pretty big operation. We'll get into that in a second. But so how emotionally, uh, curiosity wise, when were you ready to just full on go? a hundred percent into making this meathead barbecue happen. You know, I was on an elk hunting trip with my dad and we were in Colorado and he challenged me. He was like, Logan, I don't give a shit. If you just, if you don't sell a thing, just go out one weekend and try selling barbecue on the street. I've been talking about it for several months. And he's like, just, just go give it a shot. See what happens. Yeah. And, uh, 
was getting ready to do that and turns out I was driving down Rose Avenue in Venice and there was another guy already on the street corner doing it. Huh. So I just hit this guy up on Instagram and said, hey dude, like, I think what you're doing is cool. Can we talk about it? And so I met him for coffee and he had actually just broken his arm in three places riding one of those goddamn bird scooters. Yeah. And he, he was a dude that had been a chef for a long time and quit his corporate job as a chef and just wanted to start his own little barbecue thing. And he asked me if I wanted to uh, be his hands for a little while, while his, uh, while his arm healed. Wow. And I said, sure, it'd be a great opportunity to learn. So I did that for a few months. Uh, was it a, was it a food truck or no? It was just a dude with a barbecue smoker on a trailer, and a couple tables. Okay, and um, one good arm. Wow! And uh, so I helped him out for a little while. Then I got to a point where there were more people coming to the pop ups to see me than to see him. Well, now, would, but you were still working for him. I wasn't getting paid. I was just doing it for experience. Okay, but, what but you, how did you know that people were showing up there to, because of you? As a, there were people from my yoga class, so okay. I was still and teaching full time. And, and you were promoting it that you were yeah, and I was guy. yeah, I would announce it in class at times. Okay. I would put it on my Instagram. People would come to see me. But it wasn't called Meathead Barbecue at this point. No, this it was wasn't. His, this it was, was, his, it was deal. his deal. I'm not going to say the name. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, no, but but I I'm I get that. Um, but but obviously something was turning inside of you where you were, you were sort of getting your hands wet and feet wet and you were, yeah, you were was, loving it. I was figuring it out and I was yeah. loving it and I was happier than I had ever been, you know, covered in brisket juice yeah. and trimming meat and cutting meat. And, you know, one thing that teaching yoga really did help me with was my interpersonal, interpersonal interactions. Yes. You know, so I could run the stand fine and call out to people and have a blast and do a few different things at once. Because, uh, I've been doing it for years and taught, you know, a hundred thousand people, whatever. Right. Yeah. I don't give yeah. a shit. Put me in front of anybody. And, uh, yeah, then, you know, I, I, I hit a point with this guy where, you know, it was his baby. He owned the company. I had gotten all the experience I need out, needed out of it. He wanted to take some time off. So okay. we amicably went our separate ways. Okay. Uh, and then it was what? April of 2018. Right. I bought myself just a, a tiny little smoker. You know, I rented a pickup truck and drove uh, three hours outside of LA. I don't know where it was to buy this thing off Craigslist. Drove to buy back, a smoker. To buy a little smoker. Okay. About the size of a you know three cabinet fi- uh, high filing cabinet. Okay. And I went to Austin, Texas, for a week to try the barbecue there. That's kind of the epitome of a yeah. good barbecue to uh-huh. see if my stuff could stack up. I felt pretty good about it. Okay. And so I was, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to try it. And, you know, I thought, you know, where is some place that people would like to eat meat? And I said, well, you know, all those meatheads at Gold's Gym in Venice right. will eat meat. So I said, all right, I'll just set up on the sidewalk there. So when you say set up, though, and this is, I mean, your setup at Santa Monica Brewery was pretty extensive. But at this point... <laughs> Well, like, where were you getting the where were you getting the meat from, and then were you, were you cooking it at home at first, and then that's exactly what I was doing. You were cooking so, it at home. Yeah, I was cooking at home. I was I would put everything. You know, I had one foldable table from Costco. I would get all my meat from Costco. Okay. And um, I would load up my 
you know, four-door Volvo S60. Okay. Full of, you know, basically a portable pop-up restaurant. You know, uh, a little grill, um, a cooler full of the meats that had already smoked. And so you started smoking it at home. I smoked it at home because this stuff takes like, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours to prepare. Wow. And, um, yeah, then I'd go set up shop. And, you know, I would... The Gold's Gym people did not like me being there. There's some jackass inside that would always call the cops on me. Well, that was the thing I wanted to ask. I mean, did you do you need to get permission from these places to just set up shop? I didn't. Okay. I never had before. Um, so, you know, a few times the cops would come and say, all right, you know, you got to go. Yeah. But, you know, thankfully their response time in Venice is like three hours for an non-emergency. Right. So it would be as I was selling out, they'd say, all right, got to go and say, yes, sir. Thank you for, you know, coming out. I appreciate and your how service much, and they'd let me bounce. How much, what meat were you buying at Costco and how much were you buying and how long? I mean, I, I get the sense that this, was, this is a pretty extensive process. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I was buying 10% of the, the amount of meat that I, I buy now. Wow. And I don't go to Costco anymore, for sure. Um, I have a much better source. But, uh, you know, I would sell 50 pounds of meat in two hours outside of Gold's and make a thousand bucks. And that was a great day. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. And, uh, was it just you at this point? It was just me. I had a, I had a helper. Was Uh, it Jeremy or not yet? No, no, this was, uh, this was a girl that was, uh, my neighbor, 22 year old girl that just needed some extra cash. Yeah, sure. She just ran the register. So the gold's gym thing was, was going pretty well. So it went well. Then we moved down to Rose for a little while. Um, that was fine. And when was it, Eddie? It was like June. My landlord said I couldn't. I was wondering make about barbecue that. at my house anymore. I was wondering about that. Yeah, and you're yeah. St- but you're still there. Yeah, I'm still there. I just don't cook there. I okay. just live there now. Right. But, um, but how did? Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. But I was curious if eventually the yeah the, I knew what, I knew it was going to happen. Well, how, yeah. How are you? So you're like smoking in the living room or something and, and, I mean, and, the uh, you know, I have a little bungalow type thing and yeah. just on the sidewalk outside of my back kitchen door. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, they said, said no more. I said, yeah. okay. Right. It, it was, I was bummed, but it actually helped move me forward to where I, you know, went and bought a, uh, a smoker on a trailer. Yes. That's the one that I saw. Um, yeah. You saw the one with the grill that uh-huh. raises and lowers. Yeah, yeah. You saw that one. Um, that one's name is Woody Harrelson. Right. Uh, yeah, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah, was so you name. met Woody. Um, I got Woody in Bakersfield from a guy that had, uh, had a barbecue catering company in L.A. Yeah, but that's a huge mountain or big step to because I imagine that smoker was really expensive. Yeah, it, you was, were, it was an investment. You were still, you know, just still getting started. For sure. Um. But you were full on, I'm going to plop down all this money and get a freaking big smoker. Yeah, within, dude, within a month, I bought that smoker on a trailer. I bought a Ford F-250 pickup truck. Wow. And I bought the other smoker well, that you I'm, saw. The only reason I'm I'm only focusing on that is that, you know, I have a hard time making decisions sometimes, big sure. decisions, even like buying a new computer. Anything that like costs more than $1,000, mm-hmm. I, I think about it. I overthink it. Totally. It's just... Or were you just 
I'm doing this thing. Were there were there any doubts or because that's a big oh, and, and absolutely. To me, and to me, that's the that's you really full on jumping in and committing and I'm going to do this. Yeah, I I forced myself to commit essentially financially. You know, I invested a lot of money, basically the majority of my life savings into equipment to start this company. And I yeah. said, you know, it's, you know, I, I won't lose my ass. I'll always be able to sell this stuff. Oh, that's true. I knew I had an exit strategy, so I wasn't, it was in a complete dumbass move. Yeah. But, you know, I said, if, if I'm going to actually scale and grow this thing, I need the equipment. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just, I just pulled the trigger. So where are you smoke? Where do you use the smoke? Cause you obviously can't use this huge smoker at your place. So, oh, no, no, no. So I, where do you go to prepare all your food? So now I have a, um, a commercial kitchen commissary that I use for a lot of the food preparation and things like that. You know, so I'm like fully licensed. Is this something that stuff. you that you rent somewhere? Like, is this a normal thing? Exactly. Yeah, okay. it's a normal thing. You pay, um, you know, a monthly fee for X amount of hours. And it's just a place where a lot of people like me and caterers. Right. People who can't justify having their own commercial kitchen. Yeah. Share space. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So it's legit. Where it's is where legit. is your place? Uh, it's in the South Bay. Okay. Yeah, it's down in Redondo. So things are going well at Gold's. Um, you end up buying the smoker, bought buy the, the freaking pickup truck. Bought the smoker, bought the truck, then started to set up on Rose Avenue in Venice. Uh, got another guy helping me out. And this was before uh, the brewery thing happened. Okay. I was doing, you know, larger scale street corner pop-ups. And then just I started after a couple months of that and getting bitched at by neighbors for, you know, filling their houses up with smoke and things like that. Right. The street corner shit is, you know, it's it's low overhead. You know, you make money, but it's also... It's a pain in the ass. It's a gigantic pain in the ass. Yeah. So, you know, I started cold calling breweries. Um, You know... What made you think about breweries? A lot of the barbecue guys go to them. Okay. Um, you know, they, they always have a steady supply of people. They need food. They don't have kitchens. Right. So they have food trucks or barbecue guys or fried chicken guys, whoever, come out there every day. Yeah. And so I hooked up with uh, Santa Monica Brew Works. And, Which yeah, is a great spot. I love it. I mean, I love it's it. probably close to where you live. Or it is close. Yeah, it's super close. Um, great crowd. Wonderful, you know, group of people there. The ownership and management and staff there are super supportive. They help promote. You know, they have a great product in their beer. Yes, they do. Um, so it's it's really a perfect perfect marriage. I want to ask, though, um, a bit about, before we get to present day and, and Santa Monica yeah. Brew Works, um, just the process. For sure. Because, and this is why I, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of food trucks in LA mm-hmm. and it's basically a mobile kitchen. Exactly. Um, but what you're doing and what, I get the sense there's a lot of preparation. It's, yeah. And I get the sense that. The smoking is happening throughout while you're there all day. Mm-hmm. Let's just be clear. It's high-end barbecue. Absolutely. This is not um, low quality at all. It's this not is, this cheap is, shit at all. It's really high-quality stuff. For sure. So and you're, so give me, a, uh, give me a menu and then how you come up with the menu. And then let's go backwards and 
where you get the food from. If you, you may not even be able to say, say specifically where you get it from, but no, I'll tell you. Um, you know, so how did you come up with your menu and what's on the men- menu right now? So yesterday I wrote down my menu for the Super Bowl at Santa Monica Brew Works. So, so you're going to be there. Um, so I'll be there for the Super Bowl. Great, because this is publishing um, next Monday. So perfect. It's the week before. Come see me. So you'll be at the uh, Santa Monica Brew Works Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, so I'll just read you my menu. Great. So I'm going to smoke an entire hog. I'm going to smoke a whole pig. Uh, have you done that before? I have done that before. Okay, cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I uh, get about a 60 to 70 pound pig and wow. smoke it until it falls apart. Where do you get a 60 pound pig from? Uh, the 60poundpig.com. Or there's uh, an Instagram account called 60 pound pigs. Really? You shoot them a DM. Yeah, wow. Not at all. Okay. Well, I wouldn't know. <laughs> now, um, I also uh, work for a meat wholesaler here in LA, Premier Meats. We supply, you know, the high top end restaurants in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, so I work on the wholesale end as well. And through premier, you know, I get all the top quality meats, including whole pigs, Wagyu beef briskets, which is what I had. Yeah. That's what you had. Heritage breed pulled pork, um, all sorts of incredible food that you can't find at your normal butcher. Now, were you conscious? I want to keep hearing your menu, but were you aware, were you thinking to get a hold of some high quality meat for my truck? Or for my um, pop-up, I, it probably would behoove me to work for one of these meat wholesale companies? Or is it something that you just were interested in as well? Or uh, No, I actually began with Premier as a, as a customer and client. Okay. And, you know, I have built a relationship. It's family-owned with the family that owns it. And there was an opportunity to kind of wed, you know, my sales experience and background with my meat experience and background. And, right. And uh, take it in this direction as well. Cool. Yeah. So you have the 60-pound pig. So I got the pig. I'm going to smoke that. That'll take about seven hours. Uh, I've got my Wagyu brisket, um, which is Australian Wagyu. That takes about 10 to 14 hours to prepare. What is Wagyu? Wagyu is a certain genotype of cow. Okay. Um, so it's a cow. There are different grades of beef. You know, in like your regular stuff you'd get at the supermarket, you have select, which is the lowest, you have choice, which is mid-grade, and you have prime, which is highest grade, and that is determined by the amount of fat and marbling within the meat. Right. And then above that, you have a completely different type of cow known as Wagyu. Okay. Um, Wagyu has a a lot more marbling in the fat. It also has a whole lot more uh, omega-3 and 6 fatty acid content to it, so the fat renders down a lot more and makes more tender, more buttery, more flavorful Okay. Meat essentially is much more expensive. Yeah. Um, but it's it's worth it. Definitely. So it's it's the best shit you can buy, essentially. Okay. That's what Wagyu is. So that's on the menu as well. So that's on the menu as well. We're gonna do the Wagyu brisket plate with some smoked pinto beans. We're do whole hog barbecue sandwich. We're gonna do some almond wood grilled chicken wings, some grilled corn, some mac and cheese. Uh, I've got a new sandwich that I'm gonna do where I take Wagyu brisket and my mac and cheese, chop it all up together. Throw it on a wow. bun, top it with sauce. I call that the um, the mac and brisket bomb. That's amazing. Yeah, it hits you hard. And um, yeah, that's it. That's wow. the menu. Well, the food is amazing. Thank you. Um, I mean, how much meat are you buying? Um, so for a Santa Monica Brew Works pop-up, I will buy... 300 pounds okay. of meat, 400 pounds of meat. And you you go and obviously have to go pick it up. 
Yeah, go pick it up and throw it in the throw it in the truck. And then you go land. over to your commissary in South Bay. Mm-hmm. Have my smoker. I smoke everything you know the night before. If it's a brisket that takes 10, 12 hours, I'll be up smoking overnight. Now, do you have to like be there all night while it's smoking, or can you can leave and go home? Uh, no, you need to be there. <laughs> you need to be you there. You need to be there. Yeah. yeah. So, you're, so you're working from 12 p.m. to like 9, 10 p.m., but you're actually, up until that 12 p.m., you're working 12 hours before that. For sure. So when you see me, you know, cutting meat and, you know, waving and smiling and taking orders... That's the easy part of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Selling and cutting is the easy part. It's the work that goes into it beforehand that's really the work. Yeah. So that's you, hard. So you get this meat, you take it to the kitchen. I mean, do you have a recipe that you that you follow or, or what? Yeah, what, for sure. I've, you know, through, you know, cooking so many of these briskets and pork pots and things like that, I've developed, you know, different seasonings, rubs is what I call them. Right. Uh, rubs for the meat that, you know meat specific ones i know i do this for this this for that uh this is how much i put on um a lot of it is intuition and in doing sure. it a lot you just yeah. kind of figure it out yeah um there's also a particular way you have to trim the meat before you cook it you have to cut a bunch of the excess fat off and things like that and get the shape so it's ideal for maximum convection so the smoke circulates around it evenly right and you get an even cook and you don't leave any parts that are too thin that'll burn up and taste like shit yeah so there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, I can yeah, tell. To make it more, it's it's almost, I look at it as almost an art form. Completely. Yeah, it's yeah. it's my artistic expression. It totally is. You know, the, uh, let's let's correlate it to yoga, vinyasa, putting things in a circuit, certain sequence. Right. That's the definition of it. So there's totally a vinyasa to this. Is somebody helping you while you're smoking? Or? Well, I'm smoking? No, it's it's my show. Do you, are you grilling the meat also or you're only smoking? I also, it? I also grill. Okay. Um, so you saw on, uh, I have two smokers, right? Uh, you guys can go on my Instagram and see them if you want to. Uh, I have a, a, a huge smoker on a big blue trailer yeah. that, you know, the trailer's 20 feet long and, uh, that one is just a smoker. Okay. Uh, and then I have the smaller one that we spoke about earlier. I call Woody Harrelson that has a smoker on one side and a Santa Maria grill on right. the other side. And right. The Santa Maria grill, you can raise and lower the grate. Uh, with a crank to determine the temperature right. for the meat. So yeah. that's where I do a lot of tri-tip, a lot of chicken, sausage, ribs, things like that. Wow. Yeah. And so then you load all of this meat back into your truck. But you also have like a, you all, you have a trailer mm-hmm. attached to your pickup truck. Right. So you have to lug that to the pop-up as well so that the meat can stay, Can you can keep smoking it even while you're there mm-hmm. at oh, the pop-up. For sure. Wow. So I'll finish it there or I will get ahead of myself. If I have if I'm you know doing a pop up on Saturday and I have an event on Sunday, you know, I'll cook the 10, 12 hour cooked stuff during the pop up on Saturday. Right. And just, you know, let it rest hot in a in a holding oven overnight, which just makes it even better. Right. And then not have to stay up all night and serve it the next day. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta you gotta figure out how to work efficiently. Right? Yeah. You'll literally die. You would go insane. For sure. Well, it's um, incredible food. Thank you. Incredible barbecue. Thank you. I want to ask you: Have you ever had pushback from the (laughs) the the anti um, meat? Well, and this is also sort of here you were teaching yoga, and now, and I, in a, I don't want to say in an ideal world, but a lot of yogis, whatever that means, 
don't eat meats, they're vegetarian or they're vegan. And then, here, sure. and then here you are, um, cooking full on, you know, brisket and meat. Yeah. So have you have people said anything to you about that or have you gotten pushback because of the animal cruelty world and, and, and the anti-meat world? Surprisingly, no. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I have had a few people say, oh, how can you, you know, I thought you were a yoga teacher. Said, right. Yeah, I can teach yoga. And I also have a barbecue company, and I like to shoot guns, and I drive a truck, and that's me. Yeah. And, like, one of the things, you know, I, I encourage people to do is you know, live your fucking life. Do you. Be authentic in what you do. Right. So if I presented myself as a, you know, vegan Prius driver, yoga teacher, people would know that's bullshit. Right. Like, and so I appeal to a demographic that might not appeal to the vegan yoga teacher's demographic. Right. They don't come to my class. I don't go to their class. That's fine. People that come to my class wouldn't go to their class. And I just reach a different market. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I'm also a hunter. And, you know, I have a rule. You know, I've grown up doing this. It's the way I spend time with my father. And, you know, you're ethical in what you do. You never take a shot unless you know you're going to hit it and the animal's not going to suffer. And you eat what you kill. Yeah. And so, you know, I've posted a photo of, you know, my father and myself with an elk that I that I'd taken. And it's it's in my freezer. And it, it feeds me and my friends. And, you know, it was harvested legally and respectfully. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, uh, a student at Equinox (laughs) who, uh, I had just taken over a class for another yoga teacher who is, of course I won't say his name, but, uh, one of his students had taken my class and then seen, uh, my, uh, my post and screenshot it and sent it to Equinox and wait, the student saw your post student saw my post and showed it to this teacher and no showed it, sent it to the Equinox, uh, manager. And the wow. group fitness manager, you know, how can you employ this guy? He's hunting and, you know, fire him or I quit as a member. And, you know, the manager said, I mean, yeah, this guy's walking in wearing a leather jacket and leather shoes. And, but being holier than that, and they said, you know, okay, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Get out, dude. Uh, so that's really the only one time I had some kickback. Yeah. And, um, you know, to those who don't like it. You don't have to take my class. You don't have to eat my food. Right. Yeah. There's there's plenty of it to go around. There's a lot of yoga teachers in L.A. Find the one that's best for you. If it's not my class, no hard feelings. Catch you later. Now, you still teach. Um, I, eventually, I want to backtrack and then. Um, but you still teach it. Just Equinox now. Just Equinox. Yeah. Do you, do you see yourself just dropping it pretty much? I mean, what's your goal? In, let's say two years from now. You know, I, I serving, I teach yoga. serving brisket while people are practicing yoga <laughs> at the same time. I actually have, uh, <laughs> I'm having t-shirts printed right now. They should be in next week, uh, with my logo on the front meathead barbecue on the back. It is hashtag namasteak. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think that's good. It's me. You it know, is you. It's, it's totally me. That's a great idea. So, um, yeah, those, those are, uh, in pro- progress right now. And, uh, you know, in two years, I, I probably won't be teaching yoga. Yeah, just keep it real. Um, yeah. You know, I look at I look at that as a hobby now. It's something I, I do once a week. Do you miss it at all? No, you don't. No, I I did a, enough of it for nine years. Yeah. Um, 
I got to a point where I was sick of hearing myself teach, sick of hearing myself talk. Um, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So uh, I love doing it once a week. I get to interact with the community and all these students that I love and have built a relationship with over time. But uh, in two years now, I, I want to be doing Meathead full time. Yeah. You know, working towards a brick and mortar one day. So things are, it seems like things are going pretty well. Things are fantastic. And it seems like people are, and the only way you've advertised is through Instagram? Yeah. Social media, word of mouth. Yeah. And pimping it at the end of my yoga class. Yeah. Last thing regarding uh, Meathead for now. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's all these different styles of barbecue in yeah. America. So what can people expect? What kind of style for the aficionados of barbecue in, in the United States? What style has influenced you or what style do you feel represents Meathead barbecue? Um, that's a really, really good question. And there are a ton of different styles that you get. Um you know, regionally barbecue differs from, you know, Texas is a beef heavy culture. It's a salt and pepper rub, slow smoked brisket, things like that. You know, Kansas City is really sugary, thick yeah. sauce. Um, North Carolina is a vinegar based sauce with, you know, no sugar and that's pork based. Um, and it's all been derived from, you know, culturally the immigrants that came to these regions of the country and their traditions from their homeland and the availability of meat. You know, barbecue in Texas began as a way for butchers to smoke their meat to preserve meat that was going to spoil before they could sell it. Right. You smoke meat, it preserves it, and all of a sudden you've got Texas-style barbecue. Um, My style is simply Logan-style barbecue. I have taken... uh, the styles from the different areas of the country that I, that resonate with me that I right. enjoy and fused it into my own. So there are places that are in LA right now. The hot thing is Texas barbecue. Yeah. Exclusively Texas. Come get our brisket. And you know, there are some people here doing a great job. And, uh, so I do Texas style brisket. Okay. But I also do California style barbecue where I have the Santa Maria grill, you know, raises and lowers. Right, you tri-tip and chicken and ribs and things like that because I love that and I think it's delicious. And then I'll do, you know, uh, pulled pork similar to what you would get in North Carolina. Okay. So I don't particularly identify with one region. Uh, I try and fuse together different styles into my own style. Well, to me, honestly, L.A. is such a... Um a melting pot of different types of people that it's, it seems that would make the most sense that that's what you're, why you're doing it. It makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's honestly, it's just uh derived from what I like. I only serve food that I'd like to eat. Right. And yeah. So, you know, even sauce wise, my sauce doesn't adhere to a particular region. You know, Carolina sauce is vinegary. Texas sauce is spicy. Kansas city is sweet. Mine's a mix of all three of those things. Right. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, if it, if it was a gender, it wouldn't have an identity. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a, a, a gender fluid sauce. Right, yeah. right. And before we move on, um, it's obviously going really well. 
I hope so. I think so. Yeah, well, I've been twice, and it's it seems to be busy every time. Um, and are you? And it's an all day. You're out there from about twelve p.m. to when the food's gone. But I imagine you've yeah, been you've been selling out or coming close to selling out. Yeah, we uh, we try not to sell out. We try and keep food um, until the bar closes. Okay. Uh, you yeah, know, that makes sense. Yeah, they they like us to do that. You know, which you know sometimes involves me. You know, ordering more meat to be delivered, you know, right So you've then. actually done that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's one time where we had a line 40 people deep for three hours straight from wow. 12.30 to 3.30 p.m. We got hammered. <laughs> Nothing. I've never seen anything like it. It was our first day at Santa Monica Brew Works. We yeah. got crushed. We had sold 80% of our meat, and we still had seven hours left to go. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. So I come prepared for that now. I always have a bunch of extra tri-tip and stuff that cooks quickly. In the uh, in their keg cooler, their big walk-in cooler at Brewworks, right? So we don't run out. But yeah, we do. Uh, we do a ten-hour stretch, pretty much from noon to about ten p.m. Wow! Yeah, you know, we're we're there setting up at nine a.m. I'm up all night before cooking. Yeah, and then you know Sunday I'm back at eight a.m. and it's cleanup time. Wow. Well, I gotta say. You took a chance. Thanks, man. I mean, it's, I think it's a big deal. It, uh, it felt right. And I felt like, you know, in coming to California, I took a big chance. Yeah. And starting Meathead, I took a big chance. But, you know, I took those chances at a point in my life where I felt like it was my best option. And I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't take the chance. Yeah. And I would regret it for the rest of my life. Yeah. And um, so I've listened to that that voice and known, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? You fail. Right. So what? Yeah. You just do it. You, you do something else then. So um, how'd you end up coming out to L.A.? Why? How? Why? How? Um, and you're from Florida. Florida, Jacksonville. Right. Uh, you know, long story short, I um, grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, went to school at Florida State, which is just a couple hours away in Tallahassee, and Tallahassee is a secondary home for me. It had been uh, throughout my entire childhood. And, you know, got a job working in real estate development, which is kind of the field that my dad is in, uh, in Jacksonville after college, you know, I double majored in finance and real estate. And got my real estate license at 18 and wanted to be a real estate developer. So you were going down that path. Yeah, that was the, that was the trajectory was I was on. Yeah. And, um, you know, went to work in that field. And, you know, I'm I'm Arthur Logan Cahoon II. You know, okay. My dad's senior. And, you know, it was his field as well. And, you know, I, I really wasn't feeling my own identity yeah. in it. And, you know, I was, I was young. I was in my early twenties at the time. I, I didn't have the emotional capacity to identify with what I was actually feeling. Right. You know, it was just feeling kind of lost. Yeah. And, you know, found myself at like 26, uh, you know, I'd, I'd applied to law school and gotten in, then was going to do that. And then took this other job instead, you know, working for this, you know, kind of vulture real estate fund picking up uh, the broken pieces of a busted real estate market. Okay. You know, this was like 2000, what, 2007, eight, nine. Right. When things really were bad. Yeah. And, you know, after 
after doing that for a while and just dealing in all these failed deals and these bankruptcies and other people's miseries, buying large scale, you know, real estate developments, you know, buying lots and lots and lots, you know, that have yeah. already been developed. I was fucking miserable, dude. Yeah. Like I hate sitting at a desk. I hate dressing up nicely for work. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I don't like business networking events, things like that. Uh, and I saw myself at a point where I was, where I was extremely depressed and I knew if, you know, I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. Right. You know, living in the neighborhood I grew up in. Yeah. And, you know, it, in the South, you know, when you're in your twenties, what you do is you get married and you have kids. Yes. yes. And, you know, I was going to do that soon if, you know, I didn't make a change. I knew that. I didn't know what I was going to do. And. Did you talk to somebody then that was sort of um, supportive and helped you sort of come to this realization or? Yeah, I, I, you know, started doing some therapy and things like that. Okay. Uh, and, and talking it out. I was, I was also fucking wild, man. Like, you know, I would go out to the bar and, you know, I was yeah. the guy leading the charge, taking shots. Yeah. You know, taking my pants off at the bar or whatever. I yeah. thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And, uh. You've actually done that right now also on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell anybody that, but yeah. um, it's it's not awkward at all. No, no it's, I mean, well, it's you, totally normal. You told me to show up wearing a full suit, so I had to do something to get you back. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you. Was was were, I grew up in a family where at least my parents, you know, we did we didn't do therapy. Yeah. I started going to therapy when I similarly to you, although you started in Florida. Um I mean, was therapy sort of a part of your family's? No, yeah, no, so it's, no, not it's, at all. It's sort of a big deal no, when, like, when you're the first person to go to therapy. Sure. Yeah, it's like no, like there's nothing wrong with. Did you, you tell your that. Did you tell your parents that you were going? Oh yeah, they were actually incredibly supportive. Okay, they cool. saw they saw I was I was not in a good place. They okay. saw I was truly unhappy. I felt like I wasn't being the person that I know I am. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, and and then you know I hit this this really kind of scary catalyst point where you know one of my very best friends since childhood was you know driving by himself he had had some drinks and he was in a big jacked up pickup truck because that's what we drive back home yeah and he lost control and hit a pole and ejected himself and um we almost lost him uh thankfully he's he's living a great life now but you know he ended up paralyzing himself from his yeah, stern him down. Wow. And, you know, when that happened, I was, I went pretty numb to it. You know, I was, I was at the hospital a lot, but also, you know, kicked me off on kind of a really upset, numb the pain bender. And then I woke up very clearly one morning with a urinex premonition. A what premonition? Of urinex. Oh, oh, oh. Keep it God. up. Urinex. Yes. Yeah. Like you're going to be and I'm next like, up. And uh, yeah, I'm can't believe I'm saying this on the on a podcast out there forever, but that didn't sound so bad. Like I hated my life that much that I was living, and I knew that was fucked up. Yeah, I knew that was fucked up. So I needed to make some changes, and you know, I thought LA would be the last place I ever lived. Yeah. So, well, wait, let me before we get there. What's interesting though, I feel like. The cool thing about a big city, I mean, it's complicated, obviously, what I'm about to say. There's a lot to do. Totally. 
in smaller towns and like I'm from Cleveland. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been in Cleveland <laughs> no. before. Cleveland sucked. <laughs> well, it's better now. Um, it's a lot better now. Okay. But my point was there's not a lot to do. So what people do in these smaller towns and they just, they drink. Dude, yeah. That's it. That's it. And of course there's drinking in LA profusely. It's everywhere. But if you want to get away from it, there are lots of people, there's lots of activities that have nothing to do with drugs and alcohol. Completely. And so if it's easy for that to become your go-to um, when you're living in the South. Easy. Yeah, totally. If, so. if you don't go out and have a drink with somebody... Yeah, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, and then obviously the peer pressure and everybody's doing, and you just that's just a part of your life. That's what you do. Yeah, that's just what you do. Yeah, you just go out and you meet up for drinks. Yes. If somebody doesn't drink, you look at them like there's something wrong with them. And probably people sort of came to you as as the way you were describing as sort of that party guy. I mean, you probably liked the fact that that sort of was your role, and you got people excited, and people Uh, probably turned to you. Yeah, and you probably sort of were a big part of why everybody was having a good time. Totally, I loved the charge. I loved it. Yeah, you know. Um, but then one of your, you know, a close friend almost dies and you say, Oh fuck, yeah. this is real. Right. And, uh, because people don't think that can possibly happen to me. And, exactly. I'm, I'm invincible. You yeah. Know, nothing. I'm never going to go, you know, get in any trouble. I'm never going to get hurt. Anything like that. And right. I was so lucky. I, I never got arrested. I never got hurt and I never hurt anybody. Anything like that. Yeah. So very fortunate. But so how uh, the heck did you end up going to LA? Got on an airplane. Yeah, but something, had you been to L.A. before? <laughs> no, I'd never been to L.A. I, um, L.A. was far from home. Yeah. It had cultural diversity. It had great weather. Right. I knew no one. Wow. And there was an opportunity for me to really find myself, I felt like. And I thought I'd be out here for like a year. Right. And then go back. Yeah. And obviously that is not the case. You know, I came out here, I, you know, continued to work with a therapist, which has led to so much growth. Yeah, definitely. And self-realization and awareness. And, you know, that's helped me become the person that I am today. And I feel like I'm living my best possible life right now. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I got involved in a fantastic community of people and inside the yoga community and out, you know, like some of my best friends. You know, you know, Calvin, Vetus, all these great dudes um, within yoga that I've become very close with. And then met some really just amazing human beings, you know, from all different parts of the world that I've become close with in L.A. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my best friends is an Israeli. You know, I never would have met an Israeli. Yeah. In Florida. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, been cool. Yeah, you've liked it. It's been really here. cool. Yeah, yeah it, it was it was a tough adjustment for the first couple of years. But then, you know, it, it really has become home. How soon did you get into the yoga world when you came out here? How quickly was that? Mm, the first couple months. Oh, so that was right away. Yeah, it was right away. Yeah. Yeah. I would um, spend my free time at Equinox as, as a member. Right. Because uh, I lived right around the corner from it and it was cool and I didn't know anybody. Right. And, you know, involved in coming out to L.A. was me quitting drinking. Right. And Oh, uh, so that was a sort of a conscious choice as that well. That was absolutely a conscious choice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I had to reinvent myself, you know, without alcohol. And so I wasn't comfortable going out to bars and things like that, you know. Uh, so I would just work out. And yeah. that's when I saw the yoga class on a random Sunday and kind of right. stumbled into it. And 
probably one of the better things I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. For sure. Last segment here. Yeah. You brought up something while you were talking that I, I just responded to because it connects with the podcast. Totally. The reason why it's funny, the podcast and talking to people every week. Um, well, I look up to a lot of writers and I obviously I read and a lot of the good ones, the ones that have agents, they also have a podcast. Um, because people turn to writers to sort of hear their perspective on the world and whether they're making fun of it or you mm-hmm. know talking about it. It it sort of we trust the creatives um, to share their weird perspective on the world for sure. So, um, the podcast has ultimately ended up being super inspiring because I'm sitting here talking to cool people for you know an hour and a half, two hours, and we don't do that anymore. Um, no, I haven't had a conversation this long in years. Yeah. And I've, and so you were talking about, God, you said therapy making you aware. And that's my point about when I talk about Instagram, we, it's more challenging than ever now to connect with yourself and what you really want and who you are because now in our free time and i'm i'm saying are primarily a lot of people in their teens, 20s, 30s and i read this book bored and brilliant in our free time now instead of like just sitting still mm-hmm. reading hanging out doing nothing um People are staring at their phones. Totally. And I think that is why people are losing touch with who they are. Because in those moments where you're sitting still, making a decision to come up with Meathead Barbecue or become a writer or come up with new ideas for a script you're working on, we're filling those voids in that time with the meaningless scrolling of Instagram for sure. So I, I feel like, you know, as a yoga teacher, I I can't say anything negative. You know, I can't call people out or I can't, I, I don't want to judge people, but I do think this is overall having a deeper impact um, than we all think. And so I just want to know, What's your take? How obviously you use Instagram to promote Meathead Barbecue for sure, and, you, and that's the thing. You know, I want to differentiate because you know one of my actually Calvin was having mm-hmm. a friend with was having a discussion with one of his friends, and one of them was saying, "You know, you're just complaining about me, or I'm just complaining." Yeah, um, excuse me. The reality is, it's okay to complain, or if you don't have a solution, then all you're doing is complaining. But I think the solution is so impossible and it's so deep because it's, it's, it's retrained all of our brains yes. and you have to be so aware that it's happening or else, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours has gone by and, and you're, you realize, oh my God, all I did is stare at my phone. The solution is 
awareness, talking about it, being, and it's okay to complain about what these platforms are doing. It doesn't mean you're a hater. It, it, and that's the other thing. We, we group this type of behavior about talking about something as if it's bad. Uh, you can't say that something's bad anymore. You have to basically just keep your mouth shut. So all of these things are creating culture in a society now where um, it's that much more difficult to do what you have done and stand up for yourself and make the choice that, you know, I'm going to drop everything and go to LA. I'm going to drop everything and create Meathead Barbecue. Now, I'm probably painting a darker picture of our culture, but I look around and I see what's going on and it's it's happening everywhere. What is, do you just think it's no big deal? Um, and I'm sure coming up in the yoga world where you're seeing all these yoga teachers doing nothing but posting these acrobatic ab shots and mm-hmm. you, I don't, I mean, I don't even know if you can do a handstand, but it's tough for somebody with your physical frame to quote unquote compete with that on a social media platform. So, so what do you think about all this that's going on? I can do a handstand. You can? I can totally okay, do cool. a handstand. Yeah, awesome. for sure. I can do a handstand. I can do it all, right now. Yeah, I can do all sorts of, you know, fucked up yoga tricks that a guy my size probably should not be able to do Yeah. somehow. Um, thanks for putting me into gymnastics when I was a little kid, Mom. It helped. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's complicated. It, it's a very complicated question and very complicated points that you bring up. I think Instagram now, I mean, it's ingrained in our society. There is no going back yeah. from it. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, rem- I knew things were changing one time when I was, I was at Yoga Works in Main Street. I was, I was there as a teacher. Um, it was before class. I had gotten there early, you know, like 30 minutes early or something. I was just hanging out. In the to, girl te- her, to teach or take? To teach. Okay. Uh, a girl in her, you know, early 20s walked in and was asking one of the people behind the desk about teacher trainings and the girl behind the desk referred her to me cause I, you know, was on the teacher training path at yoga works and assisted and all that stuff. And, uh, and first thing I asked her was, why do you want to be a yoga teacher? Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, she, well, you know, I'm really into alignment or in injury management, something like that. Sure. I can, I can point you to maybe the best teacher trainer for, for what you want. Yeah. She said, well, I really want to be a social media influencer. She actually said that. She said that. And she's like, I think yoga will help me do that. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, just, I don't know. I don't know how to help you. Just take the prettiest teacher teacher training, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of tuned her out at that point. But it was at that point where I was like, all right, things are really, really changing. Um, It's a double-edged sword, Eddie. Like, Sure. In one way, social media Instagram in regards to yoga is tremendous because it allows people to share yoga with the world. So, you know, there are some great teachers. We've, we've talked about Calvin. I'm just going to use Calvin yeah. as an example. I know he doesn't care. Uh, you know, he posts a lot of stuff, you know, promoting his, you know, home video series that he has. Right. And so, you know, that's bringing yoga to people maybe in the Midwest you know, high quality LA style yoga that is taught safely, effectively, you know, by somebody who actually knows their shit. It's bringing yoga to somebody that wouldn't have access to that level of right. instruction. 
which I think is is fantastic. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, on the other side of it, it is, you know, a lot of self-promotion and everything like that. But, you know, to my point earlier, it's a business. Um, and Instagram has created a, a brand new economy, Eddie. It really it, has. It's, it's its own economy. And so, you know, we can, you can like it, not like it. it but the fact is, it is, it's there. It is what it is. It has completely changed, you know, the way a lot of commerce is done with yoga, personal training, food. I mean, well, I think what's, what's, up, an, what's an influencer? It's I, just, I think you bring up the, the, the point and it is like, it started out as just a way for people to share some photos. Totally. But ultimately the ego and the money takes over for, it almost feels like for everything because it, it is trickled down to Instagram. It's trickled down to yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, and that's why it's hard for me to come up with the solution. And, and you're right. You know, meathead barbecue and the podcast I'm doing, obviously I'm going to promote it on Instagram. For it, sure. You would be an idiot not to. Totally. The, I think what I'm focusing on though is what people are doing when they have an hour to kill. Yeah. And unfortunately, the options of reading, talking, thinking, those options just don't exist anymore. And so those people are primarily, I just think what I want people to be thinking about is are those moments. You're an idiot if you don't use Instagram to promote your stuff. Totally. But we're also idiots if we think that when those platforms are primarily just doing that, and then people in their free time are just looking at that, there is a deeper psychological effect that I, that I think we're aware of or willing to talk about. I do not disagree with that one bit. I think Instagram can absolutely be an addiction. Yeah. And I'm, it's, I hate, I'll, I'll say it. It's the first thing I do in the morning is I reach for my phone and check my gram. Yeah. Like I want to see what happened. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, I was thinking about it while we were taking a break. Like, you know, I hadn't, what's cool is I hadn't had the urge to reach my phone to check my Instagram once while we've been having this conversation. Right. This is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as a society, we have conditioned ourselves to rely on our phones as a crutch to avoid introspective thought, to avoid things that could lead to personal growth. Right. Um, and that is a bummer. Yeah, because, I think so. Yeah, it is a bummer. And and that's not complaining. It's just, I do think it's a bummer. Yeah. I, and I think we can do things to not go down that path. But culturally, groups of people have to have the, the wherewithal and the awareness to know when to stop. For sure. And I just, maybe we're all addicts underneath it all and sure it's not as bad as being addicted to heroin um but you know um i just i think there's a reason why people are less connected um because these these platforms are getting in the way of our free time to and that's the other thing these words like like bored mm-hmm. bored has such a negative connotation toward towards it yeah 
So instead of just hanging out for 10, 15 minutes, being quote unquote bored, Mm -hmm. just chilling with yourself, we're now trying to fill that time with stimulation. For sure. So, um, being bored is not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, when we were kids and we were bored, we had to go figure out something to do. (laughs) Right. You know? Yes. You know, just here's two sticks, go, you know, sword fight, do whatever. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, now we, we can't stomach the fact of not being simulated. Right. And we need, we need that constant flow of information. And unfortunately we're just conditioned for that. One of my favorite things to do is to go out to the mountains and shut everything off for a week. And it's amazing when I come back, how overstimulated and stressed I feel when everything is back on. Yeah. It's funny to me when I see people on Instagram going on vacation and all they're doing is posting vacation pics while they're gone. I mean, I get that they're doing that because they're proud of where they are and they want people to see where they're going and all this, but turning off the phone while you're on vacation, I think should be a prerequisite for going on vacation. It's not a bad idea at all. Because you do need a break. So I guess the last, um, last point here. So uh, what do you do in your free time? Are obviously... Shit, man, I don't have much of it right you don't. now. I mean, do you read? Do you what? What are you interested in outside of food and taking care of yourself? And um, you know, I um, not a big reader. Okay, not a real big reader. You're gonna go hunting though. Yeah, I like to go hunt. Okay. Um, I love my dog. Okay. We hang out and wrestle this little English bulldog named Jamo. Okay. Um, I have an amazing woman in my life that you know I like to you know spend as much possible time as I can with her. Yeah. And, um, you know, today after this, I'm going to go shoot guns. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like to do stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm not a guy that's going to sit down in the park and read a book. I'd rather go for a walk on the beach. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Something like that. Yeah. Enjoy the outside. Well, don't take any selfies while you're, um, shooting your gun. No, you might confuse the gun with the camera and <laughs> point it at yourself and press the button. That would be a reason whole problem. not to take selfies. That's a really good reason not <laughs> to take selfies while shooting blocks. <laughs> That's awesome. Or, you know, maybe, maybe people should start taking selfies while shooting yeah, blocks. Exactly. If they confuse that, we'll just weed out the gene pool a little bit and make this world a better place. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, I'm really excited that you came on this week. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So I want to um, promote one more time. Okay. Well, how'd you come up with Meathead Barbecue, the name? Oh, oh, so, um, you know, back to Gold's Gym. Okay. And, oh, the meatheads out there will, will want barbecue. They'll eat meat. Yeah. And, you know, so I just called it Meathead Barbecue and it got a great reaction. So it's stuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great name. Yeah, it works. It, you know, it, it works. It fits me, kind of, you know, with, with my stature. Definitely. And, you know, it's, yeah, it just kind of has a nice ring to it. Have you thought about doing a handstand on top of your smoker? No, but I'm going to do that now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you we got to, come on. Throw yeah. Us- do some gymnastic type stuff on top of the smoker. I will absolutely be doing that. Done. Come see me at Santa Monica Brew Works for the Super Bowl. Yeah, so you're there uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, for whole hog, wagyu brisket, and handstands. 
and anywhere else you're going to be in the next like that. But I feel like Santa Monica Brew Works is sort of like your home base right now. It is. I have residency there and there every couple of weeks. Okay, cool. um, so you can be you're there every couple of weeks for sure. I'll be there you know every couple of weeks. I've got some dates in February lined up, and I will also be uh, down in the South Bay. Uh, where am I going to be? El Segundo Brewing Company on February 16th. Amazing. Yeah, that's a Saturday. It's a great space. Love to see all down there. Meathead Barbecue on Instagram. And it's the real deal. It's high quality barbecue. It is. Um, shameless plug. All my rubs are free of sugar, MSG, all that bullshit. All our meats are completely paleo friendly. And a point of pride I take is I can tell you the farm that your meat came from. So from farm to fork is a huge thing for me. I believe the trend in our culture is to know where your food is coming from. Yes. And to eat high quality proteins and food. And that's what we strive for at Meathead Barbecue. And the other thing that I, last thing to compliment you, I'm sort of a germaphobe. So it's, um, I, I, I always take pride or I like um, when I can see that chefs or owners take cleanliness gloves yeah, for sure um you know not touching something that's raw and then you know or holding money and then like all putting your hands all over the food or something i just um i can tell that you're very aware of all of that i try to be absolutely just out of you know why would i want to serve something to someone that i've invested so much time and love and labor into sure and then contaminate it. <laughs> Why would I want to do that to yeah. someone who is trusting me? Sure. Uh, to feed them high quality food. Yeah. Um, it's a point of pride awesome. and, and care for my patrons. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. I, of course. Um, well, Logan Cahoon, owner of Meathead Barbecue. At Meathead BBQ LA on the gram. On the gram. <laughs> um, well, Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Really appreciate you, Logan, coming on the show. Thank you. And definitely check out Meathead Barbecue because it is the real freaking deal. I shot some video, and while I was like editing the video, I was getting hungry while I was making the video <laughs> afterwards. So it's it's the real deal. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, for now, though, thanks so much, Logan, for coming on the show. And um, I'll see you guys or speak to you next week. Thanks. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.